0: Uh, well, as always, it's, it's a good, uh, good to be with you, and, and always, uh, I'm always just reminded of, of how time just sort of moves so quickly um, as, as we're just one Sunday away from, from Palm Sunday and, and Holy Week, uh, again remembering uh, really the weekend that is at the heart of our faith, uh, the death and resurrection of, of our Savior Jesus. As I think about that event, um, it I'm, I'm, sort of causes me to, to think, if you uh, had a moment uh, to, to sit down and, and share, uh, be it with your family, your friends, whatever, your loved ones, uh, what is most important to you? What, what would be the contents of, of what you would share? Uh, uh, imagine for a moment if... Uh, if you'll allow me to be perhaps a, a bit morbid, uh, that you knew that you were going to die, say, the next day or in the coming weekend? Uh, how would you go about spending those final moments with the people that you love? Uh, what, what would you share with them? What would you emphasize to them? I, I imagine for most of us, we wouldn't be going through Last Will and Testament stuff. We wouldn't be concerned about what happens with our material possessions. We would be seeking to cherish those moments. I, I imagine for most of us, uh, the content of, of those conversations would be filled with the words of our faith. Uh, those words that, that we confess in the creeds. would be pointing those people to, to cling to that above all else. Perhaps it would be reminders to, to cherish the, the gift of family. Or maybe... Uh, a call to, uh, to reconcile differences and, and put aside old arguments. Uh, maybe you take a moment to air some grievances. I hope not, but you never know. Now, Now, I don't bring this up to just sort of make you really sad and kind of get you into that sad Lenten spirit. Uh, I bring it up because that's really sort of what Jesus is doing in our gospel reading this morning. Uh, actually, uh, John spends about five chapters of Jesus doing this. Uh, this gospel reading comes in the midst of, of the Last Supper, uh, where, where Jesus institutes uh, the gift of, of Holy Communion. And, and John gives us five full chapters on, on that meal with his disciples. All the other gospels each spend about a chapter each, but John spends five full chapters on this. Of Jesus really sort of preparing His disciples for His departure to go and be with the Father. And Jesus, his, the, you see the content of His message changes. It, it really begins to focus on, on what their ministry and what their lives will look like after He departs. And as Jesus begins to share this with His disciples, He notices that they begin to be filled with sorrow. He says to them, I didn't share these things with you before because you didn't need to know them. You couldn't handle it then. And I was going to be with you, so it really wasn't necessary. But now that I'm leaving, it's necessary that I share these things with you. And and as sorrow fills their heart, they're so distracted by the idea that Jesus is, is leaving, they don't even think to ask, What do you mean by you're leaving? Where are you going? And in the face of this, Jesus, he actually says that it is better for him to leave and to go be with the Father than it would be for him to stay with them. Because unless he leaves to go to be with the Father, they wouldn't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it's actually better that you receive the Holy Spirit than to be with me face to face. How often do we think in those terms? I don't think many of us actually think it's better to have the gift of the Holy Spirit that we have received through baptism and, and through the gift of faith that we have received. We don't often think that it's actually better to have that than to be with Jesus face to face, do we? But, but nevertheless, Jesus emphasizes that it's actually better that he departs and they receive the Spirit than for them to be with him face to face. For us, it's better than for us even to be having that gift of the Spirit than to be with Him face to face. And and as He speaks about the work of the Spirit in their midst, Jesus really emphasizes that the work of the Holy Spirit will be to convict the world. This is what, what Jesus says regarding what the Spirit will do in their midst. He says, when He comes, that is the Helper, that is the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin... And righteousness and judgment. These three things, sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. When the Spirit comes into the midst of Jesus' followers, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now when you place that into the context of, of these final moments that Jesus is spending with His disciples before He goes to the cross, it maybe seems a little bit strange that, that He would talk about convicting the world of, of sin and righteousness and judgment. It, it seems like a moment that, that maybe you should be trying to reassure your disciples of, of what is to come. That, that talking about sin and righteousness and judgment, what, what Why would you emphasize that here at this point in your life, Jesus? What is it about these three things that's so important to the work of the Holy Spirit? To convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Now one of the things that I think is worth noting here is that when Jesus says that the Spirit will convict the world that that word convict that we see maybe has a little bit different connotation originally than it does often for us. Because I think when we often hear, at least for me, when I hear convict, I think condemnation. I I think legal conviction. I, I think you have been found guilty in the eyes of the state and therefore you have to serve a punishment or judgment because of that. But actually the word "convict." In the original language there, it actually has a little bit different connotation. That that it's more about revealing. It's about bringing things to light. It's about showing someone where they've wronged. For example, Matthew chapter 18. When Jesus says to his followers, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. What's the reason for going and showing His fault? It's not judgment. Not yet, at least. There, the goal is restoration and reconciliation. That the showing of fault is is actually to bring about repentance. And that's the exact same word that appears here. That Jesus is saying when the Spirit comes, He is going to bring to light. He is going to show the world its fault in hopes that the world would turn and repent. And so the Spirit's work in our midst is actually this bringing to light sin and righteousness and judgment to call the world back to God. And and Jesus gives some explanation as as to what these three things mean. He says that He will convict the world or, or reveal to the world what sin is Because they do not believe in me. So Jesus says here that the greatest sin, really the the sin at the core of all sin, is the refusal to believe in Jesus. Which maybe sounds a little bit strange, because as I think of the worst sins, there are probably a number of things that top the list before unbelief. Right? I mean, the mass killing of the innocent seems worse than unbelief, doesn't it? Or or, or oppressing large groups of people, stealing and and pillaging and, and taking what belongs to others and making it my own. That seems worse on the surface than unbelief. But you see, if we take Jesus at His word here, what He is saying is actually that these things that we see, the, the things that, that harm the world, that destroy creation and destroy humanity, are actually merely symptomatic of something else. They're merely simple, symptomatic of unbelief, of the refusal to put our trust in Jesus. And if we pause for a moment, I think we can begin to see why Jesus takes unbelief so seriously. Because think for a moment about who we say that Jesus is. Who we confess Jesus to be when we recite the creeds. That we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That that Jesus is God's true revelation of Himself to the world. That Jesus is actually the one way that we can come and be reconciled and restored to God. And if that is true, then the refusal to believe in Him is in fact the most harmful thing that you can do. Turning people away from Jesus... Blaspheming His name is the most horrific thing that we could do to deprive people of Jesus. That is the greatest sin that we could possibly commit. That that, that true sin is not about just doing the wrong things or or not getting the list of morality right. That at the heart of sin is, is this refusal to place our trust in the way that God has given to us to be reconciled to Him. Which connects very well with, with what Jesus says the Spirit will convict the world of next. He says that the Spirit will also convict the world concerning righteousness. Jesus says in verse 9, He will convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. This phrase, I go to the Father, a lot of times appears throughout the book of John as sort of this shorthand for the whole ministry of Jesus. So if we think of Jesus' ministry in terms of of being sent by the Father and returning to the Father, that that really this idea of returning to the Father, it, it really encompasses that whole ministry in the death and resurrection and ascension to the Father. Just as he was sent into the world to fulfill God's mission, so too in his obedience and fulfillment of that mission he returns to the Father. Jesus is saying is that true righteousness, the greatest good that is ever accomplished, is what Jesus is about to do on Good Friday and Easter. A true righteousness is not found in keeping the rules. True righteousness is found in trusting in Jesus. But we see these two things together almost as, as two sides of the same coin, Right? Just as as true sin and at the heart of all sin is not just the breaking of a bunch of rules, but the refusal to trust, true righteousness is not found in keeping the list of rules, but in putting our trust in the way that God has shown us true righteousness. True righteousness is found in Jesus. He is the greatest good. What Jesus accomplishes on the cross and in his resurrection is the greatest good. Good, the greatest thing that has ever been done in the history of the world. And and as we look at these two things together, what we see here is actually what our bread and butter as Lutherans is. This convicting the world and, and bringing to light for the world sin and righteousness, this is law and gospel. This is the call to go and and preach God's Word to the ends of the earth, to preach the law and its judgment of sin in all of its harshness, but also to preach the Gospel and its forgiveness in all of its beauty. To, To show the world its sin, to show ourselves our sin, but also to show the world the Gospel and the forgiveness of that sin. That is the work of the Spirit Amidst the disciples. That is the work of the Spirit amidst the church today. That we would see sin. That we would repent of unbelief. And turn and trust in the place that God has shown us righteousness. That we would turn and trust in Jesus. And find there the place that we've been restored to God. That's what the Spirit does in us. And that's what the Spirit seeks to do through us by sending us into the world to preach that same message. And we have sinned, but there is righteousness to be found in Jesus. And in doing that, we also make this proclamation that the ruler of this world has been judged. The Spirit will convict the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. You know, when we look with our eyes, I think they often tell us something different. When we see hatred and violence win the day, it looks like the enemy, the ruler of this world, still reigns. Uh, When we see a world wrought by by division and and oppression and, and death and warfare, it looks like the enemy still wins the day. When we feel overwhelmed by temptation and burdened by past sins, it certainly feels like the enemy still wins the day. Whenever there is a spirit of of doubt and unbelief in our midst, it certainly looks like and feels like the, the enemy still wins the day. But the Spirit is present in our midst to create faith in the promise that through His cross and by His resurrection... Jesus is victorious. That in that moment, in that event, the enemy and ruler of this world has been judged. And we're promised that despite our sin and our guilty consciences, that we will receive that same victory right along with Jesus. See, these three things, this conviction or or revealing of, of sin and righteousness and judgment... This is the work of the Spirit in our midst to remain or to keep us as a people who are centered on Jesus. That the the church's call is not to go and and preach morality, not to go and and give good advice for how to be really nice people. That, That the work of the Spirit in the church is to keep us a Christocentric people. A people who are centered on and always pointing to Jesus. Jesus says in in verse 13, He says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority. For whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me. For He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. The work of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus. To always point us to Jesus. In the midst of our our sin and our temptation, the Spirit works to point us back to Jesus. As we seek righteousness, the Spirit works to point us not to ourselves and our own actions, but to point us to Jesus. When it feels like the enemy continues to have his grip on us, the Spirit works to keep pointing us back to Jesus. That is who we are. As people who have received the Helper and the gift of the Spirit, our work is to be pointing one another and pointing the world to Jesus. That they would see sin, but also see where true righteousness is found. And to see that in what He has done, the ruler of this world has been judged. So that from our first words to our dying breath we would always be pointing one another always pointing one always pointing ourselves always pointing the world to jesus amen